Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Medical Association of Georgia's Top Docs Radio Show. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be getting into the discussion about maternal mortality here in Georgia. Remember, with more than 8,000 members in every specialty and practice setting, Medical Association of Georgia is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org to join MAG, or if you're a physician in Georgia and want to learn more, check us out there. We want to say thank you to Alliant Health Solutions for helping to make this show possible as a sponsor. And today's guest is Dr. Chad Ray. He's a board-certified OBGYN in Augusta. He is an associate professor at the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University and serves as the residency program director, the director of the Georgia Center for Obstetrics Reentry Program, and the director of Global Women's Health for his department. He's a member of Georgia's Maternal Mortality Review Committee and a president of the Georgia OBGYN Society. Thanks for sitting in today. That's great. It's great to be here. Well, when we're talking about maternal death, what exactly are we talking about? So, um, maternal death is classified in a couple of different ways, um, but for the purposes of the state of Georgia, we classify a maternal death um, as any um, death that occurs during pregnancy, so within the pregnancy time period, or in the one year time period after um, oh. the pregnancy is over. So it can, I didn't realize it would fall out that far after the delivery. Yeah, there's a significant amount of changes that occur during the time of the pregnancy, and that's a um, uh, doesn't really end as soon as the baby's delivered. Uh, so unfortunately, there's a period of time after pregnancy um, in that postpartum period that's critically important. Um, and maybe as we'll discuss today, you'll see why that's so important. Well, clearly, it'd be easy to understand if if the mother had died in the process of giving birth or in that day or two afterwards. But I mean, how do you identify that this this death was related to giving birth or or being pregnant? So that's that's actually what's very very important about the work that we do with the Maternal Mortality Review Committee. Um, it has become the gold standard for how. Um, data should be uh, captured and then subsequently analyzed um, in all states. Uh, not every state has a maternal mortality review committee, uh, but in Georgia our maternal mortality review committee um, uses the information that we get um, from pregnant, the pregnancy checkbox that's on death certificates and we can use that information to then um, collect data to then our, have our, our committee look at to see if that death was you know, either aggravated by pregnancy or was contributed to directly by the pregnancy. Now in all cases, someone who dies who is during, during pregnancy or postpartum, it doesn't mean that it's pregnancy related, um, but some of those things are identified as pregnancy associated, which means the pregnancy didn't exactly uh, contribute to that death. I know that here in Georgia, we deal with a number of health issues of different types. You look at uh, premature delivery, for example, being related to our discussion on some level. I mean, when we look at maternal death uh, among our population, I mean, how often is that happening? Um, I think it's um, it's well known that Georgia, at least amongst uh, folks who who are in the know about uh, maternal health, uh, that Georgia has a significant problem with maternal mortality. Um, and just for some background information, about 700 women a year, roughly, uh, die um, wow. in and around the pregnancy period that would be identified as a maternal death. Um, this specifically related to the pregnancy. So um, that's about two a day. Well, in Georgia. Um, we have been identified as one of the worst states 
states uh, in the country as it relates to maternal death. Um, and that's a that's a tough a tough badge to wear. Um, there are a lot of contributing factors. I think that uh, perhaps it's uh, most important to know um, a couple of things. One, that until everyone captures data the same way, we don't really know where we stand, but we know that we have a significant problem. Now, is that related to, you know, I mentioned that we have other health issues, a lot of diabetes, a lot of obesity, heart disease. I mean, is that what comes into play here to create such a, that's a lot more than I would have anticipated. Yeah, that's a, um, it is definitely a major contributor to maternal mortality um, and morbidity for that matter. So the disease process that happens that ultimately could lead to a death. So yes, um, I think if you look across um, across the country, in general, um, individuals are less healthy than they have been in the past. So we are seeing um, trends across the country um, and specifically in Georgia where um, younger men and women are dying from cardiovascular disease, for example. And I think when we have been able to dig through the data, we see that um, cardiovascular disease is a significant tr contributor, um, if not the most important contributor to maternal death. When you talk about the fact that here in Georgia there is a, a maternal mortality review committee, does that mean then that there's some level of, I don't know if formalized is the right word, but is there a little bit of a kind of a set process that our colleagues out there that are delivering care and the follow-up period over that following year that they understand I need to report this this particular death so that you can look at it. Yeah, oddly enough, it's not reported directly to the committee. Um, this um, The review committee process is very specific in that um, we are allowed to have uh, protected health information um, accessed via um, the pregnancy checkbox ultimately. So when there's a maternal death um, and that maternal death is flagged on the death certificate for that individual, so if female, then there's a series of checkboxes that will identify if she was pregnant or not and help us with the timing for that. And then um, we have uh, case abstractors, once the case is identified, who will go and um, get the information from the medical record and really from multiple sources. And it's a very labor-intensive process. But so you're having to review old data. Yes, they're getting, <laughs> a, they're getting a lot of information. Some of it is very hard to come by. I bet. Um, but critically important for us to help understand not just how the death occurred, what those contributing factors were, but also help us to try to you know, determine what the preventability was for that death so that we can take that information, process it, put it back out to the physicians and the individuals who are taking care of women in Georgia and hopefully prevent the next death. When it comes to maternal mortality, um, and are there kind of a common set of issues that tend to arise, whether that's maybe hypertension or I guess maybe even um, postpartum suicide might possibly come into that. Is that considered as one of the things? I mean, talk about the things that typically are causing these mothers to perish in that year after their birth. That, that's exactly right. There is um, there, there are multiple reasons um, why someone might die in the, in the postpartum period or during pregnancy for that matter. Um, cardiovascular disease happens to be one of the most significant ones um, where we see more cardiovascular deaths today than I think we have in the past. Um, venous thromboembolic events like blood clots mm -hmm. that break off and go from the legs to the lungs are um, a significant contributor. Um, cardiomyopathy unfortunately has become a significant 
significant contributor. And so perhaps, um, you know, if you look at the demographic for which who is more likely to have a, a peripartum or postpartum cardiomyopathy, it often includes someone who has hypertensive disease that mm -hmm. was longstanding. Um, and definitely mental health uh, disorders in women are a major contributor to um, maternal death, whether that be related to um, uh, overdose, whether it be related to suicide. Um, peripartum depression is a common, very common problem that is often um, underdiagnosed. It sounds like a lot of those, if we talk about over 700 ladies died in the postpartum period, I mean, is that majority of them happening in that period kind of after they've gone home from their delivery more so than during childbirth itself? When does it typically happen? It does bear out that um, the majority of women for which uh, we review um, their deaths, um, it does appear that they, are, they happen more often in the postpartum period um, than they do in the intrapartum period. So um, and I think that is important when you look at um, efforts to hopefully address the preventability of these deaths. About six 60% of maternal deaths are preventable, at least um, as we identify by, the, by our own committee, and that seems to be pretty consistent with the committees across the country. Well, talk about that a little bit. I was I was wondering if, I guess over time as you've been reviewing this type of data, are you beginning to see particular groups, whether it's geographic or, or even morbidity um, type constellations that they may have that put them at greater risk so that if I'm a either an OBGYN or maybe I'm a primary care doctor following them that I might need to be thinking man this person we probably need to pay a little bit more attention to yeah, I think um, we certainly know that um, in Georgia and really all across the United States that African-American women have a higher likelihood of having a maternal death um, than any demographic um, to the point of about three or four times more likely to die, um, about three more times uh, based on the evidence we have in Georgia. At some areas of the country, it's 12 times more likely for an African-American woman, uh, African woman to die. Um, but I think that does allow us to really... Um, look at not just the demographic but also the fact that comorbidities like hypertension need to aggressively be treated during pregnancy and in the postpartum period as likely contributors to peripartum cardiomyopathy or cardiovascular disease um, that may lead to a death later. Is something like eclampsia a little bit more of a risk for that kind of a person if I've already got some degree of cardiovascular risk or hypertension because I mean you know that's that can help hit you even if you don't have that factor. Yeah significantly increased amounts of severe um, type preeclampsia uh, perhaps even leading to eclampsia um, we're, we're, we're going to see more women who have uh, higher blood pressures that are perhaps treated um, suboptimally um, that will contribute to their you know their disease process and maybe even their death so who who makes up the maternal mortality committee and I would ask also along with that I mean how do you interface with your colleagues out there to to get at some of those preventive approaches that might slow this down? So the Maternal Mortality Review Committee is a multidisciplinary committee. Um, started as about 35 um, uh, individuals from across the state, so it you know, you know, encompasses a broad geographic uh, swath of the state. Um, the most important aspect of it, I think, is that it includes so many different individuals with so much expertise in different areas. We have uh, an anesthesiologist, uh, we have a cardiologist, psychiatrist, um, we have psychologists, we have individuals that are 
um, you know, practicing nurse midwifery, folks from the state um, who are administrative roles to help us, um, and uh, which include Department of Public Health, CDC, um, Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, um, and that inclu and that you know stands to reason we would have high risk obstetricians and obstetricians from around the state as well. So it's a very nice mix of um, of expertise that will help um, when we're identifying cases, um, even when we're talking about a maternal death and there's some questions about a post-mortem examination, um, we will also have a, uh, a medical examiner who's on our committee with us. Is there a set of guidelines or recommendations that you all are publishing as it relates to your findings so that some of those physicians out there can kind of take a look at what's happening and how we're doing? Yeah, the um, Department of Public Health um, has put out um, a bulletin um, if, that highlights uh, ha the information that the committee has uh, you know, ascertained uh, from 12 to 14. That's the latest. Um, it has happened in the years past as well. Um, it's not the only interface we have, um, but that's, that information is readily available and is very data-driven. It also you know, includes information that talks about the contributing factors, which I think is the most important uh, to look at, you know, whether it was, whether we think that most of these factors are patient-driven, provider-driven, health system-driven, um, to help folks understand that it's not just a simple, it's, it's really not a simple answer. Um, the committee will also work with um, the Georgia Perinatal Quality Collaborative and the Department of Public Health to take the information that we, um, that we're we were able to analyze and then um, use it to put out to take new initiatives uh, to get information out to help doctors understand better how to, for example, manage a postpartum hemorrhage or um, identify and manage somebody with hypertensive disease in pregnancy. So there's some very unique um, and uh, really outstanding initiatives that are that we're working on with the state that have been proven nationally to work. So are those types of initiatives at that community level, are they kind of focused on engaging the, the patients or, or your physician peers? What are they trying to accomplish? They're most commonly um, used to engage the health system and the providers um, so that they can, those individuals that are the champions at those, at those facilities um, and those that are on the front line taking care of the patients can then um, help the patients also understand. Uh, so it's uh, really it funnels down from, you know, from the state level uh, to the individual providers and the health systems. And within in these health systems, many of which are, you know, uh, again, broadly geographically located around the state, can then get their information out to their patients. When it comes to talking to your your peers out there, fellow clinicians that are, are following these patients, um, do you have advice for them as to how to approach uh, the, the the pregnant female or or a woman who had just recently in the past year or less uh, given birth that that helps them maybe do a little bit better job of either identifying an impending problem or try to prevent it altogether? I think that most everyone does a pretty good job. I think that um, what's really important is to understand that um, there are going to be individuals that are of significantly different risk. And one of the most important parts of taking care of pregnant patients is to you know, have that risk stratification be right up front so you can get the patients to where they need to be, whether it's needed to see a high-risk uh, physician or a, high, a maternal fetal medicine specialist very early in the process or later in the process, have them deliver at a facility 
facility that has all the resources that they need um, and to really focus on that critical time after the pregnancy is over um, you know if you understand the model for which um, you know prenatal care is is driven it's very heavy during the pregnancy and then right. after the pregnancy it's, yeah. you know come back in you know two weeks if you've had a cesarean section for a wound check six weeks if everything else is okay and I think we really have a much better understanding today that that is a very critical time and you can miss something when you have a large gap of time between when that person sees uh, and leaves the hospital and when they see their physician again so I think we're able to you know start um, you know having a strategy to uh, narrow that gap uh, so the so-called fourth trimester um, so that we can also have a better you know capture these patients better for family planning contraceptive care um, to keep them from having a very short pregnancy interval I think it's you know it's pretty critical to look and and help someone understand you know the, the providers and the patients that there is a you know there's some additional risk um, if you're pregnant again very quickly especially for those individuals who've had a complicated pregnancy before they just don't go back quite to their normal self um, if they're pregnant too quickly um, so it can really escalate their risk it sounds like there's, with, given your interaction with and participation in the Maternal Mortality Committee, you're probably incorporating some of this thought into your guidance for your residents that are coming up through your programs. Of course, of course. We um, we work really hard on the advocacy part of our residency training program to um, help them engage, um, not just in the maternal mortality review, but really in the legislative process to have a better understanding of health policy and how that policy is driven, um, to have uh, you know a place uh, within the Georgia OBGYN Society to where they can really um, realize that you know taking care of patients one at a time at the bedside is what we all signed up for. We love that part of it. Um, but there's also part of being an advocate is to understand that you're advocating for all the physicians that you, you know, that are your colleagues, um, taking, you know, the population as a whole and also having an understanding that, um, you know, really if you're not, if you're not well versed in the policy aspect of it, that you might um, find one day that you missed out on some, some opportunity that was critically important to educate someone else. So I think um, across the state of Georgia, the residents are, are very good, not just in my own program, but across all the programs um, at being engaged our show is obviously followed by peers we have the opportunity to share information to clinicians around the state but also um, individuals who aren't from a healthcare background just interested in health and, and health related topics so what would you say to the to the layperson out there as far as you know trying to identify as their loved one or themselves at risk should they become pregnant how how would you address the the layperson out there and, and help them kind of keep this in mind and how they might be able to ensure that they don't deal with this yeah i think that um, just the understanding that um, health you know we talk about maternal health and, but it really it's just health you know and it's really it's really just about being healthy all the way around um, when you know when women find themselves pregnant and they're unhealthy to begin with um, pregnancy is not necessarily going to make them so much better right I mean it's a very it can be a risky time so just identifying those in you know those aspects of one's um, um, you know health that will help them have a much better pregnancy for example um, you know if it's a loved one or a spouse or um, 
um, a friend, you know, the, the understanding that if there's something that identifiable, they should they can be modified prior to pregnancy. Um, that that's a good idea. Would you say that there's any sort of way that you know that go back to getting that data to you? It sounds like you know some of it is in arrear. Is there a way to help the healthcare delivery systems, whether they're outpatient settings or hospitals, to better kind of contemplate? Well, this person just gave birth in the last year. We should probably see if there's a, a tie. Have you have you kind of gotten toward maybe a more of a common platform of reporting this kind of incident occurring in that time frame or? building in that direction? Well, I don't know exactly if it's more about reporting. I do think that um, information is certainly power, so I think when, you know, we, know we have, we've approached it with health systems, whether it's uh, through, you know, AIM bundles, the Alliance for Innovation and Maternal Health. Um, many of the hospital systems in Georgia um, are participating in, AIM, in the AIM process uh, through the Georgia Perinatal Quality Collaborative, so it does allow us to have the same message to all health systems, um, and it allows us to have not just um, this information on perinatal units but in emergency departments uh, and in in those individuals with those individual physicians who are engaging on the front lines um, so I think it's important I, you know certainly in my own experience um, at a regional perinatal center who has got a lot you know Augusta is um, has a significant amount of area around it that has very limited resources mm -hmm. for obstetrics uh, obstetrical services um, it's really what helps me um, have this as a focus of my career um, but uh, to be able to engage those hospitals in the area around us uh, so that we all have the same information is critically important if I wanted to follow up today's program trying to get myself more educated whether I'm a lay person or or a clinician who might want to try to have an impact on the rate of maternal mortality do you have whether it's websites or other resources that I might be able to check out and, and maybe become a little bit more versed in what I could do to prevent this yeah the Department of Public Health um, has a very nice um, website that it outlines a lot of resources um, that will direct you to um, uh, not just data but in the on the information that's important to have a good understanding um, as well as um, simply online with uh, the Georgia Perinatal Quality Collaborative and the Georgia Wine Society all have very nice resources for both advocacy for physicians and resources for patients. Well I know I got you here in the studio in the middle of the day before I let you get back to the rest of your afternoon do you have some final thoughts before we uh, wrap up today? No, I just appreciate um, every opportunity I have to get information out. I mean, it's been a, um, it's become a focus of my career just to make sure that um, that the information that, for what I see day to day in my own maternal uh, health practice, that um, that one that so many more folks understand uh, the work that's being done in the state because it's really great work, and it's not just simply about being the state that was you know is now or once uh, noted. Is known as the state that had the worst maternal mortality rates in the country. I think we are very clearly in a, in a position to move the needle um, and really be proud of the work that's being done. So thank you. Well, before we had this conversation, I had no idea that we had such a high rate of maternal mortality here. It's, uh, it was a little eye-opening. I appreciate you sitting in today, Dr. Ray. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And for all the folks out there who 
did take the time to check us out today. Clearly an important topic that we were hoping to be able to share some information about, whether it's with other clinicians out there or folks that you know who are important to you. We'll hope to turn around and share that. Make sure you follow MAG on Twitter and Facebook. Um, they also put out content on LinkedIn as well if you ever get out there. Uh, make sure you can check out our previous episodes. They're all out there at mag.org slash topdocs. Uh, go all the way back in our catalog of uh, well over a hundred episodes now and over half a million people have been checking us out now. I'm really excited about that. So uh, from everybody at Medical Association of Georgia and the Alliant Health Solutions, I want to say thanks so much for sitting in with us today. We'll catch you next time.